to We're Talking Drums, creating conversations with the world's top drummers in the most extreme genres. This episode is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one choice for drumsticks. They provide the wood you need to make the beats you deserve. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Now with your host, Corey Hoffing. Hello and welcome to another episode of War Talking Drums. Oh, it has been a minute since uh, we've had an episode here. Sorry for the little bit of the impromptu break. You know, sometimes life gets busy and yeah, you know, schedules don't line up, but uh, we're coming back with a banger, and we have several episodes lined up for the coming weeks. So make sure you like and subscribe, and drop us a follow. You can find us on Instagram at We're Talking Drums and Facebook backslash We're Talking Drums, and make sure you join our community group. And also, we uh, we do on a serious note, we do have a Patreon page. Uh, so check the show notes, uh, and uh, it it's Patreon.com backslash. We're talking drums, podcast, WTD podcast, something along those lines. I don't know. Check the pod, the the show notes, and it'll be there. Like, uh, uh, so there's that. Get that out of the way. Um, working on getting some merch for y'all. I know a lot of people have been bugging me, and uh, you know what. Not not every time. You can't satisfy everybody, right? So I do have some sick, sick designs that uh, my good friend Dallas Conte, she's a fellow drummer and a tattoo artist, and she did up some sick designs that I cannot wait to get put onto some T-shirts and hoodies and all kinds of other stuff for y'all. So there's that. Sign up to our Patreon. It's only two bucks a month. Really, really helps to support the podcast and keep this ball rolling. And uh, I think that's it for right now. Is that it? Yeah. So this week I have on Tommy Chan from the Metalcore band. That's always a difficult thing. And we get into that. We get into how metalcore is kind of a taboo, taboo word nowadays. But say metalcore band Trench from Calgary, Alberta, back getting a good old Canadian boy back on the show. So uh, they released a brand new EP uh, called Encased in Chrome uh, on March 18th, so last Friday, for anybody listening when this actually drops, go check it out, uh, March 18th, 2022, they released a brand new EP, so go check that out, links in the show notes, all that, blah, 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 we love you, uh, had a great chat with Tommy, uh, talked about how he has a brother named Tony, and they are twins, he plays bass, in trench so they uh they are rhythm section brothers and uh rhythm section twins actually uh 
So there you go. Um, yeah, we talk about uh, being Canadian. Uh, they had a tour, a pretty killer tour fall through due to uh, the whole pandemic thing so that's what kind of led them to do some writing and uh, release this new EP and it is super sick highly highly recommend checking it out Tommy was uh, an absolute gem to to chat with and we had some great conversations Uh, I genuinely look forward to uh, chilling with him next time I am around those parts or uh, vice versa so uh yeah, I think that's uh that's that's all there is. Please uh share these episodes with your friends and your family and I'm sure your 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 grandmother might even get something out of uh these 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 episodes. So share with her too. Put it on, you know. Let her listen into um how to do the the blast beating, you know? What the difference is between a, a traditional blast and a bomb blast. Do you know? All the answers and more to come. Ooh. Alright, here's my here's my chat with Tommy Chan of Trench. Tommy Chan, welcome to the We're Talking Drums podcast. How you doing today, brother? Very good. Very honored to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, buddy. It's uh, it's my my pleasure. Are you uh, are you drinking anything over there? Do you got um, do you got any kind of beverage on the go? Oh yeah, uh, I got water on the side over here. And Professional, I, you gotta have water. And then know? I got I'm drinking a sour right now, cherry vanilla sour. Ooh, cherry vanilla, eh? Mm. Is that yep. a a local uh, company you repping? Yes, it. I think so, actually. Well, somewhere in Canada, like in BC or Alberta. I th- but oh no, it is Calgary. Yeah, <laughs> Calgary. There you go, and, buddy. Yeah, local. Yeah, because I was gonna say I don't recognize that can whatsoever. <laughs> so you know, must be somewhat local, anyways. That's oh, yeah. sick, man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I once again, it is like almost nine o'clock at night, and I am drinking coffee. Uh, <laughs> this is a regular thing for me now. So oh, perfect. Ain't nothing wrong with that, man. <laughs> yeah, and it is not decaf. There's a lot of caffeine in it, so oh, it's delicious. So, man, um, let's uh, hop right into this. You are the drummer for Trench from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Uh, another Canadian boy. It's great. Uh, I think the last... I don't even know, like five, six guests I've had have not been Canadian. So it's nice to have another uh, Canadian guy on the podcast, man. Uh, and you guys yeah. just released uh, yesterday a new EP called Encased in Chrome. What can you tell me about this uh, this new record? Oh, man. Well, it's only 11 minutes long and it's... We pretty much did the most crushing and most unique thing we can possibly come up with in like the shortest amount of time. And it just got released on New Damage, our new label that we got picked up from. Dude, that's super sick, man. New Damage oh, yeah. is uh, releasing some awesome stuff. 
Uh, so that's huge for you guys to uh, get get onto that label. Um, yeah, man, and I gave it a, a bunch of spins in the past week, and it, dude, it's it's heavy as fuck, man. It, it <laughs> Appreciate is, it. It is super brutal. Uh, I was wasn't really expecting it because I think somewhere in there, it's it, you guys kind of say that you're new metal. I mm-hmm. read and then I listened to it. And I was like. Where's the new metal? This is fucking <laughs> brutal, man. Like, just crushing stuff, dude. I'm glad you dig it, man. <laughs> we have mm-hmm. a lot of fun playing it. Yeah, man. Um, so let's get into uh, drums. Uh, you have a relatively unique setup for uh, how heavy you guys play. So how? Give us a, a rundown of uh, what you're rocking behind the kit from the uh, your shells to cymbals and pedals and, and all that type of stuff. Okay. Uh, I use Shine Custom Drums from California, That's Keller sad, Shells. Man. And I play with a pork pie snare currently right now. That's it. Lo- all right. What Love um, pork pie. is it a, a wood pork pie snare or yeah. you rocking yeah? yeah. I uh I have a um cherry and babinga pork pie that's a fourteen by seven and Ooh. I absolutely love it, dude. Ooh, dude. Yeah. First of all, I'm a huge fan of fourteen by seven snares. Like even the deeper it is, and like mm-hmm. as soon as you crank it, you just get that like perfect ping with the depth of like a deep body and it's I don't know. I love it. And I've always wanted a pork pie uh, drum kit or snare drum ever since I started playing drums. So I'm very stoked I finally got to have one. And first I'm recording it, and which was in, encased in chrome. So I used that for that. And uh, yeah, and then I use all Zildjian cymbals and uh, Iron Cobra hi-hat and stands and Gibraltar uh, cymbal stands. Very, very basic. I only have... It's a very Ringo setup. Just a hi-hat, one crash, and a ride cymbal that I also use as a crash as well. Very, very basic. No chinas, no special effects cymbals. Maybe in the future, no splashes or anything. But yeah, I like to keep it simple. Makes touring, like carrying gear, really simple. <laughs> also, like, makes me like focus on like what I have right now. I mean, I'd always want to have like a big set, like Iron Maiden style. It'd be so much fun. Just go, you know? Yeah. Pretty much (laughs) anywhere you throw your hand, you're, uh, you're going to hit something, right? It's probably going to be fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, man. Uh, and that's, that's what I found unique. Uh, specifically your symbols. The fact that you use just like one crash and then essentially like a a crash ride, because um, you don't really use it. You use it as a crash more than you use it as a ride. It seems. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just and hi hat, and that's it, man. Like super simple, one up, one down. Um, honestly, I. I feel like you should just get rid of that uh, rack tom and just go one floor, <laughs> you know, like, fuck it. <laughs> I would feel so bare. <laughs> I know, right? Like, that's what I think about. Because, like, even me, I dumbed down to two rack toms instead of three. 
and yeah. it feels weird still. And this is like <laughs> this has been about eight months that I've I've eight to ten months I think since yeah. I've done my set down to two rack toms, but I use two floor toms now. Before oh, I had three rack, uh, one floor. Oh and yeah. Now I'm now I'm doing the two floor one on either side, so. It's still kind of strange, man. Uh, I don't know. I like having everything. It's kind of like a shield in front of me, you know? The more drums oh, I, I can put you. directly in front of me to just, like, cover me, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. The better. Like, yeah. Like, that's uh, Nico. Um, he, that, that's probably why he has all those drums up, up top and everything. Like, you can't oh. see him. You no, cannot you see him from the audience. <laughs> that's why they have a camera that's like hidden around and like looking over all the all the drums at him. It's just like, oh, there he is. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, I want that. I want that one day. That'd be sick. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> just whip that out for like an ACDC cover rock band. <laughs> yeah, all you're doing is four on the floor the whole time. But exactly. you know, whatever. I have 18 toms. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can take pictures of me, just of my drums. Yeah. Which is fine because I spent my life savings on them. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I feel you, man. <laughs> At least, like, replacing stuff isn't as big of a deal, I guess. Because, like, when you have multiple Chinas and when you have, like, several different crashes and splashes and all that. Like you get a crack in it. You're like, Oh, I got to replace it. And there's, Oh yeah. You know, $150 here, $350 there, you know, so it true. gets pricey, but you only have like, you're, it's very rare. You're going to crack a set of hi hats. It's right? true. They last the longest of all. Yeah. That and rides. If you're not crashing on it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I, I take it that you, you, Probably, I don't know. Have you ever cracked a ride? Oh, yeah, you crash I on it. Yeah, I just uh replaced it. Like, I have a K high K custom hybrid uh ride now, and nice. I just cracked nice. my uh 21 inch uh A Zildjian sweet ride that I've had for like three years since the Blossom record. Oh, fuck, man. So, it, it lasts a long time. Before, when I first started playing drums, man, I would go through cymbals like crazy. No technique on how to hit it. Just hit it hard. It was like Aaron Gillespie when, like, watching him just smash drums. That was like yeah. me growing up, just smashing. Because I didn't know any technique, right? And, yeah, so it got very expensive. That's also why I also downsized my drum kit. So, it's like, huh, if I can't afford, if I keep breaking to China like every year after the warranty is over I'm like forking out that let alone like guaranteeing to to break a crash every year as well so it's like every year it's, you're looking to spend between like 700 to like a thousand replacing just two symbols type thing I know that's kind of where I'm at right now too where it's I just replaced two crashes and a China before I went into the studio in December yeah. Yeah. And then I just found a crack in one uh, of my other uh crashes. And I was like, ah, and it was one of those days where you got like I got hit with a bill that I was not expecting and then Oh, it always happens uh, like that. <laughs> yeah, like it was just like a, a whole bunch of stuff piled up and then I got to rehearsal and there was a fucking crack and like gas prices. I I don't know where how it is out uh out west there, but last 
the last like couple weeks, gas prices got stupid. Oh, like it same. jumped like twenty five cents pretty much yeah. overnight, and I was like, yeah. "What is happening?" And uh, yeah, and then. It cost me like almost forty dollars to get to rehearsal and back, which is ridiculous. Jeez. And then I uh, I found a crack in my my um, my eighteen inch crash, and I was like, you know what, I uh, this sucks so much. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I just spent eleven hundred dollars in December on symbols, and now I'm like, gotta spend another like three hundred replacing this. Oh my god. Yeah. Come on. The life that we have to go through, right? Why can't we be guitar players sometimes where we break a pick and it's like, oh, it's just 50 cents to replace it or break a string. You can buy the whole set for seven bucks. We break a stick. It's like $12, $14, depending what you're playing. (laughs) You break a head. It's like $20 to $50. If you break a kick drum head, it just, it, it picks up real, it gets up there real quick. Real quick, man, like for me to reskin my whole kit, and that's not even including resonant heads. Oh it's man. It's like probably two fifty. Oh dude, that's gangster. You know, like two fifty, maybe three hundred, depending on what heads I use. But like yeah. kick drum heads are like fucking eighty, ninety dollars now. Yeah. E-mad. Insane. <laughs> yeah. Or E mad people. <laughs> ah, but you know what? Um Getting back to what you said before, though, like, why do we do this? It's because drums are just better than every other instrument, all right? True We that. are just so, uh, we're, we're far superior intellectually. Physically, we are more attractive than other musicians, <laughs> you know? So that's why we play drums, all right? We uh, And it's just, dude, it's more fun. Like, oh, yeah. It's more fun to play. Like, but it's so we are a little silly because we pay so much for these instruments and like cymbals specifically. We mm. it's a piece of metal that you hit, and it makes a loud noise. Yeah, at a at a certain pitch. But regardless, you are meant to hit it aggressively until it breaks. Oh, one hundo. <laughs> we, we pay hand over fist for it, and we're happy about. It. All right, I don't know about happy about it, but I'm stoked when I get a new symbol. Oh, I me love too. it. Yeah, you know that first hit, like fuck. Oh, yep, so nice. The, the way it looks on your drum kit too. You're like, oh, I forgot. Like symbols are this shiny or or this nice. Because yeah, of course we're not polishing our symbols. No, Who does that? <laughs> Jesus, yeah. come on. Too much maintenance, bro. Yeah. Uh, All right. So, dude, getting getting back to this new EP uh, out now on New Damage Records. Go check it out. Encased in Chrome by Trench. Um, When did you guys end up writing this? I assume that you guys uh, wrote most of these songs during this uh, little thing that happened the last two years, um, called the uh, a pandemic where we were all trapped inside. We're not going to talk about it any further than that. That's it. Uh, but uh, I assume that all the writing was done then. Um, so what was the writing process any different for this, given the circumstances, than any other record that you guys have done? Oh, 100%. We couldn't see each other in person to like sit down and like work things over. Until like that one, we had that one little period before the they put restrictions back up, where we kind of like 
talked it over, just like plan it out and then continue like how we were writing it, which was like sending each other stems and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And we didn't, we had such a short time to get this done. At least we felt like, cause we had the studio booked for like August or something like that, that we may might've jammed each song about like, like less than 20 times before we actually went into the studio and recorded them. So it's almost like going into the studio with like your ideas and then kind of improving the rest. That was like how much time we really had before like blossom. We were able to like sit with each other and like jam it out many, many times to get comfortable with it. Knowing that the fact that like, all right, this is the exact fill I'm playing or these are the exact parts I want to play in case in Chrome was kind of like, uh, I have an idea. I might try this or I might try that kind of thing like that in the studio when it comes time to the studio. <laughs> now, do you think that that led to a more creative studio session that that allowed you to like just kind of be in that moment in the studio and be like, okay, whatever happens here, that's what's going down. So like, let's, let's kind of like make it count and not saying like that there was that pressure, but just that you had that kind of freedom rather than before you're like, no, I know my parts. This is what I'm doing. And there is no variance from that. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, it it definitely comes out different than what you expect, but also cool that like when you listen back to you're like, whoa, I can't believe I like just wrote that in the spot. Like be all end all, uh, before it goes into like the massive breakdown, like near the beginning after like the like scissoring, beat it was i wanted to do a fill but i never had it written out and at the studio i was like what do you guys think if we chucked a fill right here and i didn't even have time to write it it was just like let's just try it and then you know when you get in the studio and you're trying to like make up something to a click while you're being recorded Mm -hmm. it's it's very nerve-wracking but then when you come up with something you're like whoa i think that you guys dig that fill I think I dig it too, you know? (laughs) And then you're like, well, that's like its own special tea thing that happens in a studio. Like I call it like studio magic. Yeah, I guess. Uh, A lot of people say studio magic as in like uh, editing and like the the whole back end of mixing and, and everything like that. But that is, that is a good, good point though. There like being in the studio is a magical time where mm-hmm. like situations like that can come up where you're like, you know what? I'm really feeling this right now. I feel like this part needs a fill or like you, you just try something new and you hope you just hope that the producer and the rest of the band is like, yo, that is sick. And then oh, like yeah. when, and whenever you do it and everybody's like pumped on it, like, Oh yeah, dude, that's, that's, that's a fucking exciting moment for a band and a, and a musician. Right. And people so who true, haven't man. been in the studio and like with their band and stuff and experience that, man, it's, it's a lot of fun. It is. It's true. I, I can compare it to like skateboarding. Like my brother and I skateboard a lot and it's just like the same thing where, you're trying a trick you've never landed, but you're so close and your buddy's filming you. And when you get it, it's just like, oh, you know, like that that <laughs> feeling where it's like your relief that you, you, you executed the trick and 
everybody's stoked that you you made it. <laughs> yeah. And then you just look back at it and be like, oh man, it looks good. Oh, can't believe I did that. Whatever, you know. Yeah, especially when you fail so many times and then you actually so land true. it and everybody's watching and you're like, oh, it's fuck yeah. Yeah. It's you know? <laughs> so <yes>. sick. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, the the studio is a, is a fun place. And dude, I'll say that my uh i was in the studio in december and it was literally just me and the producer yeah My, the rest of the band i i flew out to montreal to to record um with christian donaldson out there and so nice. obviously like the rest of my band couldn't just like fly out um just for time's sake and, and everything like that so yeah uh, i went by myself and it was it was really cool because it was like just me and the producer and I think we had only played 3 out of 9 of these songs together. Yeah. Um in the same room like everything else was just written uh on a computer essentially like we sat there and like wrote all the riffs like riff by riff and everything and we yeah. never jammed these out as a band. We yeah. could go like after the album is fully finished we could get into the jam space and realize that none of these riffs work together like we can't actually play this, but i don't think so hopefully not i hope we're professional enough that we know what we're doing but anyways uh we um yeah so it was it was super weird because i had a lot of stuff written but yeah. had never played it with my band like i i i did pre-production by myself and and all that but it was like I was going in and I I was definitely writing a lot of fills and stuff like that on the spot and like just looking at uh, at Christian through the window and him either giving a thumbs up or a thumbs down and you know and like that was yeah. that was it right so it was it it's so much better when you have the rest of the band there to be stoked with you and kind of like kind of like be there together to like for all the whole process of, of it of making the art together, you know, it's I don't know. There's something to it, man. Oh, uh, I absolutely agree, man. Trenches, no matter what instrument, we're all there watching each other play and always bringing up ideas. And it's a great support group. Like they, mm-hmm. they always just make you feel better when you nail it or something that you were unsure of, but they thought it was like amazing. So then you just have that extra reassurance. When I record bands, if there's somebody, if I'm just recording like a drummer, I always recommend them to bring like one other band member just to like, if they're unsure of something, the other guy can be there like, and be like, yo, that works out. Like what you're mm-hmm. playing goes with what I'm playing or it sounds great. It suits that part. And yeah, it, it it's a little intimidating when it, it's just be me by myself. It'd just be like, all right, I'm gonna do what I think is good, but none of the other band members like would know whether or not it's actually good, right? So it's always great to have them all there and supporting you and listening and giving their insights about everything. Oh, absolutely! And like from the producer's point of view, yeah, having another member there uh, can be crucial because. What if that drummer like just doesn't want to trust you? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, exactly. Know. You know, and then he doubts <laughs> himself and everything. He's like, oh, maybe he's just saying that, you know, because he wants to get this session over with, and it's actually yeah. shitty. And 
blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, you mentioned your brother uh, a little bit ago. Now, he is also in Trench, and you guys are Rhythm Section brothers as well as actual brothers. And uh, <laughs> just before we start recording here, uh, you are Tommy, and you told me that he is Tony. So yeah. <laughs> you have Tony and Tommy Chan as the rhythm section duo, which yeah. is, dude, that's that in itself is fucking sick as fuck, dude. <laughs> like, that <laughs> is just awesome, man. That makes me want to listen to the band even more right there because of that. So. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you guys being brothers, uh, did you uh, form this band yourself? Like, is this uh, kind of your project or was this uh, how? Let's go through how uh, this band came to be and or your how your involvement in the project came came to light, I guess. Yeah. Let's uh, okay. go with that. Well, so Trench actually formed uh, Bryce and Jay wanted to start a project and they asked me if I'd be down to play drums with them. And at that time, I was playing like in an indie band. I actually stopped playing metal for a bit because I was playing metal for so long that I was like, oh, I want to try something different. And then that band broke up and started doing some more indie folk stuff. And towards the end of that, where I was kind of like, I don't know if this is working out for me, like all the beats that I want to play is kind of like towards the heavier side. I want to like any melodic riff that the band would write i would just instantly want to do like like a misery signals melodic type beat over it and they're the guys would just be like no it's got to be a more like radio friendly melodic stuff right so i was like okay that's uh this is what it's becoming as and Br- bryce asked me if he wanted to start a band that sounded like this i was like 100 percent, so down but if i'm gonna join my brother's got to be part of it too. We're kind of like a package deal. Like, do you like do you have another guitar player or a bass player? And they're like, uh, we didn't think of another guitar player yet, but we're we are looking for a bass player. And Tony started out as a bass player from the very beginning, and he he, play, he played guitar in our metal band way before. So he originally wanted to play guitar in Trench, but mm-hmm. I was like, dude, ri- like rhythm section like you already have everything you already have like the 810 all the gear like let's let's go and then they were down for it and ever since that it was just like that's how trench became but we we met tony used to play or filled in guitar for bryce's old band called war elephant and uh and then we met them at like bunch of local hardcore shows that's kind of how we got to know each other and then yeah, trench formed through that a couple of years after. That's awesome. So you guys just met through the hardcore scene and yeah. then played in a number of different bands and this that led to um him wanting to form a band, needing a drummer. Yeah. And uh dude, cuz like so many people ask how do you start a band? How how do you get in a band? You know, this, that, the other thing. And it seems like everyone I talk to, it's just about going to shows and being a part of a local scene and meeting yeah. other musicians. That's it. Yeah. Because what is a band made of? Musicians. So you need to know 
other musicians. It seems like pretty simple, but a lot of people can't wrap their head around it. It seems so. So true. <laughs> yeah, man. But that's awesome. Rhythm section bros. I love that. It's so sick to 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 hear that you guys just like and and you were the one who's just like, no, me and my brother are a package deal. That's happening. You know, get used oh, yeah. to it. You yeah. <laughs> I would feel so left out because like we would be having band practice at our place, but if he wasn't in the band, he would just be like doing something else. And I know that it, he would be like mad that he was not doing it like band stuff while I'm doing band stuff at our own house. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was just like, man, I got like we, everything we do music has to be together. We've always done music since the very, very beginning together. There's I've only ever played like one or two bands without him. And that was me filling in with like for, a drummer, like another band that needed a drummer or whatever like that. And it's weird. We we have a, we have a total twin connection. Like when we play live, when we both screw up, we both screw up at the exact same time and recover at the exact like same spot, which is so weird. Yeah. Or, or like when it comes to writing, it's like we both have the ex- same idea, but one of us might not be able to describe how to do it, we'll, but we'll like play it like how we hear it. <laughs> yeah, There's totally like a huge t- twin connection thing. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I and I've I've played um in bands with my brother for the past I want to say 19 years. Um and we've been playing in bands together and it's he he we're not twins like you guys are, but there is yeah. definitely like some kind of connection that is different than with other band members. You know, oh, yeah. where like we just like know exactly what each other is thinking or if I have an idea but I can't articulate it, he manages to like manifest it somehow yeah. and vice versa. And it's exactly, like man. Yeah, we just know each other like so well that like we operate on just this like kind of higher level than I I really have found with any other musician I've played with. So Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, and it's funny that you mentioned that. So you're playing in metal bands, and then you went and started playing in more like radio, rock, indie type of bands. And it's it's funny because I, I was playing in metal bands pretty much my whole life since I was like 15. I played for like uh, like hardcore bands uh, and power metal bands and like all that death metal bands. Um, everything. Yeah. And then I hit a point where I kind of got, I don't want to say I, I didn't get offered, but like I got the opportunity to play for something that was more, uh, rock had potential for radio play and everything like that. And it was yeah. a big change of pace, man. And I think so I, I felt the same thing where it's just like, ah, like anytime that we had a heavy part, I went fucking gung ho, and and, <laughs> and like the vocalist would stop, be like, "Dude, you need to calm down. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on, man." <laughs> and I was like, "Sorry, sorry, sorry. you know, yeah. like, uh, but yeah, I, I and I, I just felt that urge. So when I more recently, I've gotten some opportunities to play for some other metal bands, um, and uh, it feels feels really good. Um, to get back to doing blast beats and and all that uh, fun heavy playing, you know, it sucks though because it's so hard, man. 
It's so oh, yeah. It's so difficult to play heavy. It is true. And fast. Yeah, fast is quite a challenge. And to be consistent, like, oh, it's just, it's not, it, it really tests you how good you are. Well, <laughs> you dude, you especially... question how much practice you need. <laughs> yeah, and, and seeing all these kids these days on the, uh, the Instagrams and yeah, stuff man. and how good, like, these, like, I think there's, like, a 14-year-old kid who's just, like, blasting cattle decapitation or something. And I'm like, what? Yeah, what? right? Really, I'm like, dude? <sighs> like, you must be so disciplined and, like, or never raised on, like, cartoons or something. Like, just, like, someone gave you a drum pad and you probably just sat in your room for hours. Just finger technique through a metronome all day until you go da 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 until you sound like a machine gun. <laughs> yeah, like, dude, it's insane. I wish. <laughs> We're breeding robots now? What is happening? You know? <laughs> like, Seriously. God damn. I Like, I get tired watching him play, and I'm like, fuck, dude. Right? Should I... I don't know. Should I just like start an ACDC cover band? You know? Yeah, is right. That, just stick to work? ones and fours, you know? Straight eights all day. <laughs> Buddy. Yeah, getting old over here, you know? Like, and playing drums takes a lot out on your body. Have you had any, um, oh, yes. any injuries from drumming? Oh, man. Uh, from drumming, other than just a bad bang over, like every show. It's mm-hmm. that's yeah. mostly it. Yeah, in the neck, in the back. Like, uh, you, do you know who Aaron Gillespie is? Uh, the drummer of Under Oath. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. So, like earlier footage when like before YouTube was massive, you would have to like download like on LimeWire or Kazaa, and oh god. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You remember that stuff? <laughs> oh, I did, of course. I remember because yeah. because yeah. was was what I what I grew up on. So and yes. with my internet at the time, I had AOL, uh, yeah. and uh, I could download like one song in an evening, and then I, <laughs> I'd listen to it, and I was like, "Oh, that was really good. I'm gonna go to the HMV and and buy that record tomorrow." You yeah, know? that's how Yo. I I used Kazaa. <laughs> Same here. It was like. I'd have to like type in like under oath live footage and you would hope that like you didn't download a virus when it like shows like one one of them playing this one show and it would take like days for it to download. But then when it downloaded it, man, he instantly became like my favorite live drummer to watch. Like he rocks out so hard and like just smashes the drums. And I don't I've never seen like but before I saw that, I've just seen drummers just like like sit behind a kit and kind of just like Doing little like minor head bops, you know, kind of just like grooving with the song. But Gillespie mm-hmm. would like become like with become part of the song, like the heavy moments. It's like just nonstop head banging through the whole thing, and that's what inspired me to to play drums like him live, like go as hard as him. And same with uh, Nick Yak too. Do you know who Nick Yakishin is? No, I don't. Um, he he what plays. Band does he play for plays drums for sumac and uh textbook tragedy which was like the first oh shit yeah text i remember textbook tragedy for sure man they yeah, played le- it more locally here for sure dude yeah like legendary and the first time i ever saw nick i was like is it weird to like have a to, to have like a favorite drummer that's also 
from Canada. <laughs> like, I, I felt weird. I was like, the first time I ever watched him, I didn't even know who he was, but I was just like, this dude is insane. Like, doing the most technical, like, jazz stuff, but playing it super fast, like Dillinger style, and rocking out, like, so hard, like, headbanging every, like, s- crash hit, and just doing, like, unique... S- stage moves that's not like i don't i don't even want to call it stage because it sounds corny but like he he like had perfect execution and like to watch him play it was just absolutely inspiring and to this day like it's just mind-boggling like the stuff that he writes to like a simple riff whatever it very very it inspires me so much but yeah like that those are the things that got me into having drum injuries now, just going hard. <laughs> I can't like be behind a kid playing heavy music without like moving with it. it. It's, it's not in my blood. It's always worth it. Just like give it like go soup, go super hard and be sore the next day yeah. for live music. Now, um, just to touch on a, a little bit, cause I want to get into that, the whole going hard, uh, and everything. But, um, that's sort of, Weird, but anyways, <laughs> um, one of those guys that I've noticed more recently uh, is Devin Attard from the band Hollow Front. I don't know if you know him, but that guy rocks out so hard, and I love it. Sick. I just love his energy live yeah. and like behind the kit. Like he's windmilling, head banging. Every hit is just like bang on, and just like watching him is a show. It's exactly it's phenomenal, man. Yeah. Um, but talking about going hard, man, is like it, it, it's half of it is just like feeling the energy of the music that you're playing, you oh, know, yeah. and I can't help it. And anybody who's seen me in like, well, all right, I played one show this year so far, but anybody who is there, anything knows how much fun I have on stage. You know, yeah. like I love playing live. Uh, oh yeah. Even though, like, up until the point of actually getting on stage, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, packing up my <laughs> drums is hard, and all I can think about is how I have to pack them up later, and then drive home and like and and unload them and then set them yeah. back up. And I'm like, ah, it's so much work. But then you get oh, on yeah. stage, and you're like, oh my god, but it's so much fun. Oh know? yeah. And if you're just going to sit there and, like, I play to a metronome, too. Like, I play to a click in all my bands. And a lot of people feel like that ruins the vibe. But for me, it puts me at ease. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, like, that way I can just focus on, uh, like, putting on the best show and having as much fun as possible compared to, like, worrying about my timing or anything like that like no man i'm on like i know i'm on it's in it's like ingrained in me now i could just i feel the click you know like it's great Um, Yeah. but yeah man having that fun and putting that energy out to the crowd is like man i don't know that's what makes it almost worth it for me man oh so true and i don't know if you're like me where like certain stages that you play or venues when you know that there's good sound that first like tom hit that you hit dune you're like oh i cannot wait to play the song and just have it sound absolutely massive like i don't know i I love it when there's really good sound and like your just your drums just sound like it's just straight out of like 
the studio, like perfect EQ, like doom, 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 doom. And your kick just sounds like a cannon. You're like, oh man, I can't wait for the first song to come in and just start smashing. <laughs> See, dude, the issue with me though is that I hit super hard. So, yeah. um, we actually are the last show we played was at the Opera House here, which is like one of the main uh, venues that metal bands come and play. It's like a, a thousand cap, uh, beautiful place. Seen a million shows there, and Legendary. it was actually live streamed as well. Oh, nuts! But apparently, my snare was not a part of the live stream because it was just a board mix, and oh. I was hitting so hard. I have a a, a brass um, Mapex Persuader snare, so it's a Ooh. fourteen by six point five uh, brass hammered snare, and it's loud. Plus, yeah. I hit super hard, so yeah. I don't think that they're pushing my snare through the PA at <laughs> all. Like it was literally just in the room because I was yeah. smashing it so hard, uh, and it was still it was fucking loud. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I I love those venues that you just like you play and the room just sounds so huge. Yeah. Like, oh my God, it makes me so, dude, I walk into every, like, and whenever I go into like a big room or a big space, I always just like, I, I start like, I'll, I'll do a clap or something like that. I'm like, <laughs> I wonder what my snare would sound like in here. <laughs> you know? Like always, yeah. I just want to hit my snare in every room I walk into. Just like, hmm, what, small or big or whatever, I don't care anymore. Like I just, yeah, I love the the sound of drums. In oh, a room. so true, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sick. Oh, dude. Um, yeah, man. So this uh do you do you guys have any tours or anything lined up uh around this i know it kind of says here that you guys had a tour canceled yeah uh, was that, that right was a- uh right like last summer or that was supposed to be in 2020 like when during the pandemic it, oh, dude, yeah. dude the worst part was that like it never even got announced we saw the tour poster and our band like we all just lost it they like just looking at the lineup, we were just like, I can't believe it. And the dates too. Like it wasn't just like us going somewhere by ourselves and playing like, like bar shows or like small venues to like, you don't even know how many people we're playing with like big bands that draw so much and playing like, like big venues. Right. So yeah, it was quite, it was with fucking misery signals, man. Yeah, man. That's insane. Legendary, like we grew up listening to Mizzig, and like Brandon Morgan is a huge inspiration to my playing. Dude is so tech, like molar technique, and just doing all these weird timings that make sense. Like that's hard to execute for for me. Like it's like, like sometimes when you listen to Dillinger, you're like, it's hard to it's hard to headbang to this. Yeah. Until 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 there's like a four four moment, you're like, okay, that's sweet, but like Brandon Morgan would do like. A four four timing in an off timing, but it's like musical, and I don't know. It's I get so much ideas from that guy, and watching him play, it's just watching someone so effortlessly like play drums. It's crazy. So that yeah, that tour would have been like watching Misery Signals every single night, and 
it would have been a dream come true to it was like a dream come true to even have Jesse uh featured in one of our songs. Like I was just like I can't believe like I used to listen to Malice and Magnum like religiously growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. No, oh, dude, that was like the the album. <laughs> yeah, like, 100%, it, the album. <laughs> man. Yeah, so sick, dude. Oh, and d- the amount of bands that are around now that mm-hmm. reference that record specifically, yeah, like. It goes to show just how influential they were uh, oh, back yeah. in those days. What was it like, two thousand four? Yeah, is that when that record was? Or uh, yeah, yeah, around that time. Oh, it's around that, dude. It's so it's so good, man. Um, yeah, I I I still toss that on every now and again if I want fucking nostalgia kick, man. Oh yeah, fuck, dude, it's the best. <laughs> It is, man, and it's it's stood the test of time. Uh, oh, so true. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. Yeah, fucking ferret records too. Yeah, and Devin Townsend, mind. man, another yep. Canadian legend. Uh, yeah, that guy produced some of the best hardcore in the early two thousands. Like, so true. He uh, he he did a lot of that early comeback kid stuff too. Yeah. No, he was like the guy to go to. Like you knew if like a band got recorded by him, you knew that record was just gonna sonically be amazing. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. just like when he recorded like controllers from Misery Signals, we were all like, "Oh man, I can't believe they're going back to like the guy that did Malice." And when you listen to it, you're like, "Oh, there's like moments of Malice that I can hear." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, dude. Uh, fuck. He's a, he's a legend, and yeah, it's funny because I now I I want to go back and listen to uh, this new EP again. Uh, now that we're like talking about all kind of like your influences and everything like that, and and because uh, right off the top, it's fucking heavy. The production is top notch, and it's like okay, it's kind of it has that. Uh, mid two thousands metalcore type of feel, like type of vibe to it, uh, mm. which is sick. Uh, but now knowing uh, a lot more of like the the more like hardcore influence and stuff like that, you know, I want to give it another spin and uh, and and dive into it a little further because I feel like there's more to this EP than kind of what you get on the surface, like at at a first listen. You know, I feel oh, yeah. like there's there's a lot more there to uh, to enjoy than just like, oh yeah, no production's great. It's heavy as fuck. It's in your face. It's awesome. Like I I I'm very I'm excited to give this another couple spins and uh, really dive into this thing, man. Hell yeah, yeah. I had to learn how to blast beat for <laughs> the first song because I never blast beat it that way before. I, I usually just do like. Like the double kick. Like the bomb blast? blast? Yeah, pretty much. And then this yeah. one was just like straight left hand. Like da 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 And I was like, oh man, this is going to be a challenge itself since I never really blast beat like this. But it worked out. It was it was a good challenge for this. I always, every time we write a, like a new EP or LP or whatever it is, like I always want to do things I've, I didn't do before. And 
just keep evolving. Mm-hmm. Like, like have softer moments and do like triplets all on the left hand, you know, like Thomas Pridgen style, like Mars Volta style, like just do things that I, when, when I listen to other bands, I'm like, that's so sick. Like I, I want to be able to do that. And that's how I also bring up ideas to trench too, thinking like, Oh, what do you guys think about having a part like this where I could play this on the drums like this? And you know, then they'll be like, Whoa, well, we'll let's dip into like a Pink Floyd like experimental kind of thing, you know? Like just try everything out. Like there's no limits when when it comes to writing with Trench, which is awesome. But we it it's sweet that we could still play like keep it heavy and be mm-hmm. open to like writing different types of like mini music parts or whatever that's not necessarily metalcore or heavy metal or whatever. Yeah, man, that's super sick. And I think having that open mind is what will separate you guys from a lot of other bands. Because a lot of other bands just, and I found more recently, like it's they they just see the bands that they look up to and want to be them. They yeah. don't think about like just taking the musicians that are all in that room and mm-hmm. creating awesome music like everything is and there's something to to be said about having like some focus and everything and i feel like you guys have Mm. that but like keeping an open mind and when you have an idea the idea doesn't necessarily need to be like that exact one thing that you thought of you have to allow it to evolve into something that is awesome rather than like Oh no, that's shit. No, we have to write something in four four. Has to be in this time yeah. signature. Like it has to be in this key and blah blah blah. And like keeping strict like that is like, I think that hinders a lot of bands from reaching their full potential. So so true. Yeah, man, I like that. Like, yeah, we're 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 metalcore. Uh, we have blast beats and breakdowns, but we also like to write Pink Floyd type parts. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. We like to get fancy and atmospheric <laughs> and introspective with ourselves. It's great. Yeah, we, man. <laughs> we got too high this day and <laughs> shit got weird. So yeah. this smoke is too many get. blunts. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. But, um. So, this is something that we have done um, a couple times on the show that I kind of want to bring back. And uh, I'm just going to throw it at you. Uh, So, say your house, jam space, uh, wherever all your gear is, Mm -hmm. uh, it's all in one building, and it is on fire, and you can only take one piece of gear, whether it be a cymbal or a drum or a microphone or whatever. Cause I know you do record as well. Um, so yeah. it's like, if you could have one, one piece of gear, what is the most sacred piece of gear that you own, uh, that you would, you would take with you? Dude, that is a tough question. It is like, right. Like all my gear is sacred. I've worked my ass off to save up to buy everything. I, I so need. would you it's go like... down with the ship? That you just like? No, I'm standing. I'm going down with all my gear. That's it. I'll burn it, with you. Oh yeah. <laughs> it would. It, I would definitely be considering that for sure. It's like, what do I do? Like take my Apollo twin with me, but then have no computer <laughs> to ever well, use it. Well, it just for? depends, man. Because like, think about it. Um, 
if it's a fire and that you didn't cause or anything, like insurance would cover a lot of stuff. So like, say mm-hmm. like you're Apollo twin, you could probably get covered. You can buy that again, but your computer or like say a hard drive with tons of like an, a, a band's album that you're recording, you mm-hmm. might not be able to get that back again. You it's know? so true. Or which like, actually, sorry, like, what were you just saying? For, or, or like specific drums that just aren't made anymore, you know. Yeah, you know stuff like that. Uh, that's that's where my mind goes. Stuff that you can't necessarily replace as easily. Yeah. You know? Oh man, that is a toughie. It would be like sacred wise. It would be a toss up between. My first custom snare I got, which is a 13 by 7 acrylic snare drum from Shine Drums. It's cracked. I used it for so many tours like back in the day, and I've tuned it up so hard that it the lugs are literally holding the rim and the shell together. If I were to like take the rim off, it would just shatter. But yeah. it... One thing, I, I, honestly, this might sound cheesy, but it'd probably be like my iMac. It this thing, when I got it, it not only like helped me record more bands because I do that way more often now, and so so grateful that I can. But also like it, it got trenched to where we are now. Like without this thing, I w- would have never been able to record my ideas our ideas and then uh, solidifying it and sending it off to something that became what we are now. So Mm -hmm. like there is some sacred seed to that first share where I'm like, I'm super grateful that I have this type of technology that can put out what put out my ideas and make it sound as big as possible without us back in the old day, like spending thousands of dollars on a recording which you don't even know if it's gonna turn out good or you know or demoing your ideas like we never had privilege like that way back where it's like oh if you had to demo a song you had to like buy like a tape recorder and then you're listening through that now we can like like track as if we're like uh like pre-pros like is a good example of helping us like get ready for studio like i i get in the mindset of like playing to a click track and trying to play my parts perfectly and then have all those ideas ready to go in to, before I step into the studio. So yeah, I would say the iMac is for sure, but like a uh, piece would definitely be the snare drum where it was like my first thing that I ever like created. That was a big deal and still love, but it's so sad that it's cracked and just hanging on my snare shelf. <laughs> yeah, man, it's something that you'll never get rid of, mainly because it's not really worth anything anymore. But no, <laughs> it's kind of like it always. It's just like a a, a reminder of kind of like you know, like the good old days and and where you yeah. came from and and how far you still have to go too, right? So yeah, it's true like that. yeah, dude. I feel it. Like I, I, I'm uh, I'm with Mapex now, and so I have a couple yeah. of Mapex kits that I love, but my first big kit that I did like 90% of my touring on and everything, mm-hmm. and it's been coast to coast and all over the place, and um, it's a, a Thai uh, oak kit. and Oh, dude, Thai drums are awesome. 
Dude, it's so sick, and it was so inexpensive. I don't want to say cheap because it's not. Um, no, it, it's it's a super sick kit, and I love it to death. Yeah. But it's just it's reached that point where I'm like, or a, I absolutely love Mapex, and I have mm-hmm. like some of the most amazing drums in the world. Like I would never give them up for anything, and I but I probably won't play this other kit. Mm-hmm. Um. And like right now it's living at a jam space like an hour away. So I get yeah. to play it every now and again. Uh but once I get my new kit from Mapex, I will then I I, I won't really have a place for it. But I yeah. don't know if I'll sell it. Cause it's like, man, I I learned how to play metal on that. Like, you know, yeah. I recorded like some of the first um like my band's first record on with that kit and like like all these like memories and like every single like live photo of me and like it's all that kit and i love it so much and i and it's just like it's not worth the like couple hundred bucks i'd get for it so true you know like it's i'd rather have it but also it's like a really big kit (laughs) yeah it's like where the fuck am i gonna put it uh It'll go. It'll go into the uh, drummer hall of fame. Ah, no, I don't know. That's what I call it. All the gear that I still have, I'm just like, dude. Like, I kept my first guitar ever, and the headstock broke, so I can't even technically like use it as an actual guitar anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's still hanging there because I'm just like, man, that's where I like learned how to do my first chord. Like, wrote my first song in that thing. It's just a Fender squat. Uh, uh, not not Squire. Fender Strat. Uh. From Vietnam, like a super cheap, I think it's like a a mimic, not even a real Fender, because my dad told me it was like two hundred dollars. So oh, I was shit, like, eh? yeah. See, dude, <laughs> st- I, I I had a Fender Squire. Yeah, uh, that was my my first one, and I think I fucked up because I heard <laughs> that it, like I sold it. That my I sold my first guitar, and yeah. I think that I, um, kind of put a curse on my career right <laughs> no. out of the gate from doing that because I, I yeah you, apparently you're not supposed to sell your first instrument <laughs> like that's a big no-no you're, you're supposed to keep that forever and i sold it because yeah. i was like i i, I want to get i want an upgrade i want to yeah. get a new guitar so i sold it and i got a new one and i got an ibanez that i loved then oh, yeah. i sold that one and uh, I started playing bass. It was like just like constantly like selling stuff. I still have my bass over right over there. Uh, BC yeah. Rich uh, Warlock, the most metal of all basses. <laughs> Hard you as know. fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Anybody wants to come over and play it, you know, hit me up. It's dope. <laughs> but yeah, man. So, uh, but I don't, uh, man, I don't know, but it's, it's so hard. I got to sell one of my kits. Right now, I have a Tama kit that I have to sell because I'm like running out of space. Like oh, I have man. so much gear that I'm just like, oh my! I know it's like it's such a curse having too much gear, but <laughs> like it's starting to get that way because I just don't have enough space at my house to store it all, man. Yeah, so here, man. I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do? So <laughs> if you want to buy a Tama kit, hit me up. Uh, Sick. <laughs> it's I'm really all- nice. You know, it's a beautiful kit. So I love Tama. Yeah, Tama, and I, I talked about it a couple of times on here, but Tama is like, would be like my mistress, if the if if I uh, 
ever like how do I put it? <laughs> like I love I love Mapex. I do. Yeah. I do. Absolutely. But there's just something about Tama that like looks real pretty, you know? Oh, so true. Mm-hmm. It's like a fancy ass car that, you know, it's only it's only Tama can pull it off. Like like you put a pearl you put a pearl next to it and you're like, pearls are nice. But you know, it's all about your preference, right? Like I, I really like the lugs on Tama and I like their die cast hoops, just like the way it looks. Mm-hmm. Just and they got killer finishes all the time. So you yeah. can't it's it's so hard to compare. Like I, I used to work at a music store, like selling drums all the time and it was just like Oh, I would just personally just sell Tama kits all the time, like leave Pearl off the side <laughs> or whatever. But then when I, when, when I have buddies who had like masterwork Pearl sets, I was like, whoa, that's kind of sweet. Yeah. It's got this feature on this and like the, the eliminator pedals. I'm like, whoa, they feel really, really smooth. But there's like a lot of like gadgets that could pop off while you're playing alive or whatever. And then you try Cobras and you're like, oh, there's a reason why everybody uses Cobras. <laughs> and then. I, I don't know. I kind of just, yeah, I could appreciate every brand for their thing that they do. And especially the new Mapex, like the, what they did with like the, the rim suspension or the hoop suspension. Yeah. 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 The halo Looks hoops. Ki- yeah. Yeah. I love that look. Super Dude, sick. It's super sick. I used, uh, that's their evolution series. And I yeah. used one of those in studio, uh, in December and I fell in love with this kit. I'm just like, I'm gearing up to send the message, be like, all right, <laughs> Craig, my my artist rep, I'm like, it's time. Put in the order. I want like dude, it was a it was a a, a white finish on it Ooh. and just reminded me so much of like uh the Injustice for All Lars dude. white Tama yeah, kit. Man. Tama still, but like but Mapex. Yeah. And it was just so gorgeous and it sounded so sick and uh Maple, ah, oh, my favorite. I love maple kits. Oh, me too. Never yeah. go wrong. No, you just don't go wrong with a maple. I don't know. Birch are always mm. nice too. Like ah, I just love drums. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's no limits. <laughs> just I do. I I don't know if I could do acrylic, but yet again, I've seen and heard a lot of drums that are acrylic and they sound and look great. So, oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I I'd do it. I know my buddy uh, Peter Alcorn from from Ailstorm. He plays an acrylic kit. Yeah, and I think um, was it Dan from Architects? He plays an acrylic kit as well. Oh yeah, sounds sick. Like why yeah. not? You know, they sound huge. I love that acrylic. Like the toms, I just think they sound massive as soon as you hit them. Yeah, I I I've never played an acrylic kit. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I need to. Hmm. Oh, dude. all right, Mapex, get on it. <laughs> Send me a acrylic, acrylic kit, please. Kit. That's it. We're talking drums. Signature series acrylic kit. <laughs> yes, please. That's it, man. Well, shit, dude. On that note, man. Um, how can uh, how can people find you? Like, uh, what's your what's your social media? Uh, throw out some some tags, some so people can uh, follow what you're doing drum wise, man. Sweet. Uh, yeah, my. Instagram, I guess, would be Juan Tom. I love puns, so nice. That is why that, my name. That's <laughs> sick. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I kind of got. Um, 
that's usually where I post like all my drums, like when I'm practicing or or anything that I, I do in the studio, mm-hmm. whatever. And then yeah. pretty much I, I do have like my own YouTube page, but I don't I haven't really posted any drum stuff on that yet. But yeah, Instagram would be mostly the main one to see me doing active drum stuff. Yeah, and uh, you can find Trench uh, on on Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash Trench, T-H-C. Yes. Is that because you guys uh, smoke the the devil's lettuce? Yes. Hard. Hard yes. Hard Hard yes. Yeah. Okay. We we, we, we breathe it, actually. It's uh, pretty much... More than air, probably. <laughs> yeah, you, you're just inhaling the uh, the thunder cabbage all day long, eh? Yeah, we're Jeez. we're we're a green band, you know, and you know, I we, can tell, we, yeah, too, with the uh, <laughs> the new artwork and everything. It's green, like the entire thing's green. Touché. Yeah, bl- yeah, blossom was green too. It's actually got a plant on the front too, and yeah, we. Uh, I don't know. It's just THC. <laughs> Well, there you go, man, and uh, definitely check them out on Bandcamp as well, trenchthc.bandcamp.com. New EP, Encased in Chrome, uh, came out March 18th, so make sure you go check it out. Uh, Give them a follow on the old Spotify and all those streaming platforms. And uh, Tommy, thanks for joining me, man. This is a great chat. Dude, had a blast, man. Appreciate you having me. It was such a good time. One second.